Welcome to the Topeka First podcast. We are one church with several locations. Our mission is to reach our community with the message of Jesus. If you would like to give to support this podcast and the ministries of our church, please visit topekafirst.com giving. Enjoy the podcast. Good morning. It's great to be here. It's great to hang out with you and you know, it seems like over the last few weeks with fireworks and all that stuff, I've been all over the place, and, you know, and then we took a few days and went to Branson and hung out um, with family and played putt-putt. That's what we did. We ate food and played putt-putt. It's really, uh, you know, an amazing few days away. Now, some of you don't, you know, but we, we had fun, so it was, it was cool. Um, but anyway... Um, Speaking of Branson, we pray for families that have gone through incredible loss. Um, you know, it's one of those crazy things. Um, but yeah, pray for families and God will minister to them. So, okay, one of the struggles that all of us face, and I don't care how long we live or have been alive or how long we've been a follower of Jesus, we constantly face this struggle with change, right? I mean, we, we, we want to, like, I'm not talking about other people wanting to change things in your life. I'm talking about things that we want to change in our own lives and we do for a time maybe and then struggle. I mean, how many changes in our lives have we made and fallen right back into the same pattern? I want you to think for a moment in your own life. What, how many times have we stopped doing something and then gone right back to it later? Okay. I'll give you an example from my own life. Like this is my confession time, okay? A few years ago, I had a kidney stone. Well, let's be honest. I've had four of them, and the most recent one was in October of this past year. Have a kidney stone. They say to me, "Hey, we think that the kidney stone may be caused from your intake of potentially iced tea. So you need to drink more water." Wonderful. They taste just the same. <laughs> I kept trying to tell myself it was just the same. So I drank water for a long time, just drank water and, and, and it really almost cut out iced tea completely, right? But over time, years go by and you're like, I haven't had another one of these. So, you know, start drinking a little more iced tea and have another one. Now, in my defense, and in most people's defense with kidney stones, they're in there already, <laughs> and you're in trouble. But part of the deal is, is they're trying to keep you from me dehydrating myself, right? But, but I start drinking more tea and more tea and more tea, and I drink more tea, okay? And I still drink water, but, you know, I drink almost zero soda, okay? Uh, like, like, that's almost non-existent in every once in a while. I drink a soda. But, but the kidney stone's not caused by Coke, it's caused by probably tea. Some, I don't know, ion or whatever. I don't know. 
But it's easy to slip right back into that pattern that potentially caused the kidney stone. Now, you know, it, you know, and I'll, and we'll all do it, right? We'll justify. Well, you know, they don't really know for sure. <laughs> or they're already in there, right? I mean, notice what the words were that I chose and notice how easy it is to justify something. Now, there's nothing wrong with drinking iced tea, okay? It's not like it's sinful behavior, um, although kidney stones will make you think <laughs> it was sinful behavior. <laughs> uh, if you've never had one, God bless you, okay? Because he did. I'm just saying. He blessed you when you didn't have one of those. But, and I know that, that most, if not all of you in this room are smarter than I am, and you would drink water because you would not want to have one of those. You, you just, you're just, you know. But, but most of us, when we talk about someone who is struggling in life with some kind of life-controlling problem that they struggle to overcome, we often don't have a lot of mercy. One of the problems we see with people, and, and again, you know that over the last number of years, I have worked with a few people um, that have struggled with alcoholism. And one of the struggles with that is that whole word called relapse, right? Relapse. It's, it's one of those things we look at and go, all right, why would they do such a thing? Because they struggle. And somehow it has power in their life. But I want you to think for just a moment with what things that we struggle with that we tend to go back to. The alcoholic, they go back to alcohol. The overeater goes back to overeating. The workaholic fills up their calendar. And it's easy to slip back into those old habits and old hang-ups. And today we're going to take a look at what causes, what causes a relapse, and then how God can use what we have been through to help others. So, okay, relapse simply means falling back into a self-defeating pattern. Okay, relapse. You know, we, we give this technical term, it just means going back to what we did before. And when we think in terms of relapse, it also comes in with the thought of sin as well, right? I mean, Paul, Paul, and it's not in the notes, but Paul struggled with this, right? I mean, Paul struggled. He said, the good that I want to do, I don't do. The bad that I don't want to do, I do, right? And, and so if the Apostle Paul gives us that example, like we all can learn from this. We all can learn from what does it look like and how can we how can we keep from falling back into those patterns? But in order to keep from falling back into them, I don't know how we get there. And so, so relapse happens when we get complacent. Okay, so, so you start getting comfortable with short-term gains, right? We start getting comfortable with saying, you know, I'm doing good. I don't need help anymore. My, my pain has been reduced. Or, okay, look, what happens when the kidney stone guy... And it like starts drinking water and he doesn't have any kidney stones for a while. He's like, you know, I'm doing pretty good. Let's go for some tea. And then 
a glass of tea becomes a couple glasses of tea, a couple glasses of tea becomes a steady diet of tea, and the kidney stone guy goes back and has another kidney stone. Now, there's a couple of problems there, but complacency gets us to a point where we decide, okay, I don't need to hang out with people, I don't need to go to groups anymore, I don't need to be in a small group, I don't need a counselor, I don't need a sponsor. People get complacent. And then comes confusion. That's when we start rationalizing. Saying things like, maybe it wasn't really so bad after all. The problem really wasn't that bad. I can handle it myself. And you start forgetting how bad it was. And, and, and that's one of the keys is I've worked with some, some guys that, that struggle with alcoholism. When they start to forget how bad it was, there's a chance that they're heading back in that direction. And, and we, we think about, and, and again, it's one of the reasons why I love, love singing songs of worship like we sang this morning. It helps us understand, I'll never know how much it cost to see my sin upon the cross. When I, when I recognize that, when I realize what that means, when I realize that my sin hung Jesus on the cross, the, the chances of me going back there become lessened because I'm remembering how bad it was. And it's so important for all of us to recognize how, how bad it was, how, how, how good we have it today because of Jesus' work in our lives. The, the third thing, step back into relapse, is compromise. You go back to the place of temptation. You return to the risky situation that got you in trouble the first place. Whether it's the bar or the mall or Baskin Robbins. Whatever it is, you go back to that place. And then the, the last step is catastrophe. It's, it's right back there. And I, I've watched this happen in the lives of some of the guys I've worked with. And I've watched them do well for a while and then crash. And this is exactly what, this is almost perfectly the steps they went through. And, and, and then the collapse comes. And, and in the cases of people that I've seen, they, they end up back on the streets and they end up struggling. And, and then right back where they were, the exact thing that got them to start with. Where they give in to the old habit, the old hurt, the hate comes back, resentment comes back, old hang-ups come back. We need to understand that the collapse is not the relapse. The, the actual catastrophe started way earlier. It, it started in the midst of allowing complacency. It, it started in the midst of in that moment where we get complacent. Catastrophe is simply the result of a pattern that happens. So what can cause a relapse? Number one, and it'll be on your screen, reverting to willpower. Okay, now, you guys all know this. You, you know what it, what it, what it means. You, you're going you're gonna to walk through this and you're going to recognize this is... Uh, this is what it means to be a follower of Jesus. This is what it means. we got to trust Him and, and, and walk through this. But, okay, reverting to willpower. See, 
most people think they can overcome things because we're Americans, because we can just do it. <laughs> right? I mean, that's the American way. You know, there's a reason why there's a shoe company that their, their, their tagline, their marketing theme is just do it. And we fall into that. That, that, is, that is not unique to us, but it is pretty significant for people who are Americans. Galatians 3.3, and it, it happened with them. Galatians 3.3, remember the Galatians were starting to go back to what got them in trouble. They were trying to earn their way, and Paul wrote to the Galatians about their willingness to cast aside the grace of God and try to earn their way into God's favor. And it didn't work for them then, and it doesn't work for us now. And Galatians 3.3 says, How foolish can you be after starting your new lives in the Spirit? Why are you now trying to become perfect by your own human effort? Okay. We all need to recognize that we accomplish what we accomplish through the power of Christ and the power of the Spirit at work in our lives, not through our strength and power. We need to recognize our success in changing anything in our life. And I'm not talking about just, just you know, people that struggle with life-controlling problems. I'm saying our ability to change anything in our lives is to recognize it is in the power of the Spirit at work in us and our dependence on God. Zechariah 4.6. Then he said to me, this is what the Lord says, this is rubble it is not by force, nor by strength, but by my spirit, says the Lord of heaven's army. Look, it's true whether you're defeating an army or you're defeating something on the inside of yourself. It is done by the power of the Holy Spirit. Again, Americans are especially guilty because of our history and the examples that have gone before us. It isn't bad to work hard. It's actually very good. It's a it's bad to think we are powerful enough to change things in our own lives. Number two, ignoring one of the steps. What can cause a relapse? Reverting to willpower, ignoring one of the steps. I realize when we see something like celebrate recovery and there are steps to walk through and even like last week as we encouraged to make things right with the people we have hurt, the temptation is to skip a step. Skipping steps get things done faster, right? I mean, how many of us have ever opened up, like, especially with kids' stuff, right? Like, have you ever opened directions to put something together and went, oh my goodness, there's 50-some steps here, I'm skipping some. And I'll just kind of go at it, right? And then you get to step 50 and realize you messed something up in step 20 and you got to go back and repeat the process. I know you're all smarter than me, but, but I do things like that. And, and we want to run ahead often and we want to ignore a step. Galatians 5.7, Paul again writing to the church of Galatia. You were running the race so well. Who has held you back from following the truth? Like again, we think we can do it on our own and we listen to maybe other voices and they bring us to a place where we forget to trust God. Step three, 
trying to recover without support. Being with people is so important. There's a reason why we encourage you to be in a small group. There's a reason why if you look at the discipleship plan of Jesus, okay, just, just, just as a whole, just kind of as a thought, just think about the discipleship plan of Jesus. Like he lays it out, right? I mean, he just tells us, okay, if you're going to disciple somebody, do this, this, and this. No, he does not. His discipleship plan was to be with his guys for three years. They lived together. They hung out together. They asked questions, and he answered them. He observed things, and he corrected them. He walked through life with them, and they saw and observed and learned and grew and became what he wanted them to be. And they were able to carry on the work that he called them to do because they trusted in the power of the Holy Spirit. But the discipleship plan was they did life together. Like, just being a small group is not enough. Like, you can, like it's, it's no different than sitting in here. Like, you can sit in this room and, and, and be here, but that doesn't mean you have to grow as a follower of Jesus. You can also be in a small group and go to the small group and go through the motions, but if you don't open up, there's no power in that. The power is in allowing people into your life and allowing people into my life so that we can be honest and experience support when we're trying to walk through something. You have to be willing to connect with people on a level where they can help you and hold you accountable. Ecclesiastes 4, 9 and 10. Two people are better off than one for they can help each other succeed. For if a person falls, the other can reach out and help. But someone who falls alone is in real trouble. Okay, I'll just give you an uh, Okay. Riding my bike, right? Supposed to be riding my bike, supposed to be out doing things. Yesterday, I'm riding my bike and I'm on Wanamaker. And I'm not feeling well. In fact, I actually get sick riding my bike. I'm not sure why I got sick. I'm not sure what happened. But here I am sitting on the side of the road at 69th and Wanamaker because I've just climbed a hill, feel terrible. And I'm sitting there on the side of the road and somebody pulls over and gives me a ride home. Just what happens, I knew of him. My daughter had his wife as a teacher and he pulled over to introduce himself to me. We'd never really met. Um, But she gave me a ride home. Um, I think it had to do with the milk I'd eaten with my cereal at breakfast, and it just didn't sit well. But I'm telling you, when you're sitting out there by yourself, and you're thinking, I still got four miles to ride home, this is going to stink. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah, not, not excited. I won't give you the graphic details. I'm just saying. It's better off to be with somebody. Now, that's a weird example. Hebrews 10.25. And let us not neglect our meeting together, as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of his returning is drawing near. There is a reason why James wrote in his letter, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. Okay? Like we read that as Americans, we're like, oh no. No, no, that's not happening. <laughs> We're not confessing our sins to one another. I don't need anybody to confess my sins to. 
I had a weird question asked to me in the bowling alley the other day. Um, somebody asked me, we're having a conversation, and we're talking about bowling, and, and I just, well, I don't bowl throughout the year. I just bowl in the summer and just in this league. And he was like, why? I said, well, my schedule's kind of busy, and, and I just setting aside one night for the whole year. Bowling is tough. He said, what do you do? And I'm like, well, I'm a pastor. And one of the kids sitting with him goes, do you do confessions? I'm like, well, no. But James 5.16 came to my mind right away. I said, actually, though, the Bible says that you confess your sins to one another so you may be healed. So actually, you just, and then I said, you know, sorry to go all Bible on you, but you brought it up. <laughs> and so, so it was, it was fun. But when we recognize that, when we start to see there's power in that. Good. Fourth thing, becoming prideful. What can cause a relapse? Well, okay. Forget the word relapse for just a moment. What causes us to go back to things that we once did that we're trying to overcome? What has us go back to those places that we don't want to go anymore. Those steps. Becoming prideful. Proverbs 16, 18. Pride goes before destruction and haughtiness before fall. 1 Corinthians 10, 12. If you think you are standing strong, be careful not to fall. Okay, so that's how, how a relapse happens. That's how we go back into sins or Behaviors that, that we don't want to go back into. How do we prevent that? How do we prevent a relapse? This is kind of the step for this week, sort of one of the two, but reserve a daily time with God for self-examination. Now, you guys got this down most. I would say that you guys are doing well in this. I would guess that that's where you're really good. Reserve a daily time with God for self-examination, Bible reading, and prayer in order to know God and His will for your life and gain the power to do it. Jesus gave His disciples an instruction in, in the midst of the Garden of Gethsemane in Mark 14, 38. He said, keep watch and pray so that you will not give in to temptation. For the spirit is willing, but the body is weak. Like, we, we, we know, we know what we ought to do. And we, you know, in our minds, in our hearts, we, we know where we ought to go. But there's things that keep us from going there. The spirit is willing, but the body is weak. How do we prevent it? Evaluation. Evaluating our lives. Examine yourselves. Second Corinthians 13.5. Examine yourselves to see if your faith is genuine. Test yourself. Lamentations 3, 4. Instead, let us test and examine our ways. Let us turn back to the Lord. What do we evaluate? We evaluate physical health. What is my body telling me? Am I hungry? Am I tired? Am I fatigued? Look, look I have become so much more aware of what's going on in my body since December. Like, like, I know more about what's happening physically in me than I've ever known before. And so, I, you know, I mean, when you're getting sick riding a bike, you're trying to evaluate really quick what is going on. Now, it'd be different if this is the first time it's ever happened to me. It's not. I've, I've had that experience at other times. Um, but I've had, 
you experience with other things too. So physical, evaluation of what's going on physically, it's important. Emotionally, what am I feeling right now? Am I allowing my feelings to surface or am I just pushing them down? Pushing down feelings is like taking a Coke bottle and shaking it up without taking the cap off. Eventually, the cap's coming off. (laughs) And it's going to shoot everywhere. And that's about what it's like to keep your feelings pushed down. Relationally, evaluate relationally. Am I at peace with everyone? If you're not, internal conflict is going to exist. It's going to keep you from coming to a place of recovery, of peace, of joy, and spiritual. Am I relying on God? Moment by moment, am I relying on God? Galatians 6.4, pay careful attention to your own work, for then you will get the satisfaction of a job well done, and you won't need to compare yourself to anyone else. Pay attention to what's going on inside of you. Pay attention to what's happening. Do the inventory regularly. I know this. When you go into a store, and you want to go in and buy fruit, you pay attention to what you're about to purchase. You go in. I mean, I'm not good at it, so I'm terrible. But, like, you know, Angela made me go buy, like, some apples and stuff for a meal, and, and she wanted three. I forget what kind they were because they were on my notes. I, you know, I have to take notes if I go to the store because I won't remember. And so I, I, I but, but picking out apples, like I'm looking at them and trying to make sure there's no bad spots, and I'm looking, like I'm really evaluating what, the, what those things are, and, and I, I want to make sure. So you're looking at what's good and bad because you want to make sure that you get the good. But look, when you're doing inventory, celebrate the good evaluate the bad as well like like you've got to celebrate minor victories celebrate you're making progress do this every day do this throughout the day do do little inventory checks throughout the day just just when you recognize something's going a little off evaluate that you you sense your 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 attitudes are are a little offline figure out why Try and understand what's going on in your life. Do it every day, you know, throughout the day, but then at the end of the day. At the end of the day, find a quiet spot to, to review your day. Confess your failures. And celebrate your victories. Do it at the end of the year. I mean, do all three of these. It's kind of like spring, spring cleaning, right? Spring cleaning. Kind of done once a year. Do, do an inventory. Take some time off. Look at your life. Prioritize the things in life. And here's the, 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 one of the most powerful pieces of today is right here. Okay. Meditation. Okay. How do we prevent going back to things that we don't want to do? Meditation. Meditation is a good biblical word that has sort of been... Commandeered, oh, that's probably a good way to say it, by a lot of other people. It simply means this, slowing down long enough to hear God. Meditation, slowing down long enough to hear God. Psalm 1, oh, the joys of those 
who do not follow the advice of the wicked or stand around with sinners or join in with mockers, but they delight in the law of the Lord, meditating on it day and night. They are like trees planted along the riverbank, bearing fruit each season. Their leaves never wither, and they prosper in all they do. Psalm 119, verse 9, is a verse of Scripture I have had memorized for years. How can a young man keep his way pure? By living according to your word. Verse 11 of Psalm 119 says, I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Look, here's a great way to think about meditation. If you know how to worry, you know how to meditate. If you know how to worry, you know how to meditate. Worry is just negative meditation. Worry is you, you take a negative thought and think it over and over and over and over again. You think about it and over. Meditation is you take a verse of the Bible and think on it over and over and over. So if you know how to worry, you know how to meditate. And then... And I'm not teaching anything new here. Prayer. You have to pray. How do we get God's power to get through? Prayer. How do we understand God's will for our lives? Prayer. We can pray about everything. In fact, we're told to. Financial needs, physical needs, relational needs, spiritual needs, emotional needs. We're, we're commanded to pray. God will take any need. We don't have time, but if you want to know how to pray, study Matthew 6. Disciples come with a question. Lord, teach us to pray. Gives them the Lord's Prayer. Again, Jesus' response is, this is how you should pray. Not, not this is what you should pray. This is how you should pray. It's, it's a model. It's, a, it's, a, it's, it's this is how you should pray. As we finish up this series on Celebrate Recovery, I want to give you a summary of the steps. Basically, many of them come from the Beatitudes. The first one is realize I'm not God. You all knew that about me. I, I'm telling all of us to realize we're not God. God blesses those who are poor and realize the need of them. The kingdom of heaven is there. Realize we're not God. Earnestly believe that God exists is the second one that I matter to him, and that he has the power to help me. God blesses those who mourn, that they will be comfortable. Consciously choose to commit all of your life and will of Christ's care and control. God blesses those whose hearts are pure, for they will see God. Openly examine and confess my faults to myself, to God, and someone I trust. 
God blesses those who hunger and thirst for righteousness or justice, for they will be satisfied. Voluntarily submit to every change God wants to make in our lives and humbly ask Him to remove the things in us that He doesn't like. Evaluate all my relationships. Offer forgiveness to those who have hurt me. Make amends for harm I've done to others. Today we just talked about reserving a daily time with God. Self-examination, Bible reading, and prayer in order to know God and His will for my life and to gain the power to do it. And that brings us to the last step. I think is extremely important. Yield myself to God to be used to bring the good news to others by both example and my words. Look, we've walked through some stuff in our lives that has been painful. Sometimes it's been because we have made decisions. Sometimes it's because others have made decisions. We've walked through pain in our lives because other people have made decisions. And we ask sometimes why. Right? I, I, I get to see it on a regular basis. People going through pain because of the decisions of other people. But some of the pain that we go through is because of our own decisions. And God has allowed it. And the reason God allows us to go through pain is because he's given all of us a free will. If we could never go through pain, then we wouldn't have free will. We wouldn't have free choice. We wouldn't have opportunity. Look, God spoke to the children of Israel. In Deuteronomy 11, look, today I'm giving you the choice between a blessing and a curse. You will be blessed if you obey the commands of the Lord your God that I'm giving you today. Look, that's, God gave them commands. They were going to be blessed if they listened and they were going to experience a curse if they didn't. He gave them a choice. He gives us all a choice. Why? It allows pain. Give me a freedom. Sometimes God allows pain to get our attention. Sometimes it takes pain to get our attention. Paul wrote to the church at Corinth about the letter he wrote. Now I'm glad I sent it, not because it hurt you, but because the pain caused you to repent and change your ways. Another reason God allows pain, to teach me to depend on Him. We have to depend on Him. God sometimes allows that pain in order for us to recognize that we need Him. 2 Corinthians 1, verse 8 says, We think you ought to know, dear brothers and sisters, about the trouble we went through in the province of Asia. We were crushed and overwhelmed beyond our ability to endure, and we thought we would never live through it. In fact, we expected to die, but as a result, we stopped relying on ourselves and learned to rely on God who raises the dead. And he did rescue us from mortal danger. And he will rescue us again. We placed our confidence in him and he will continue to rescue us. Look, Paul, in the midst of going through difficulty, sees God at work. And if we walk through difficulty and we see God at work, it builds faith for the future. It builds our ability to walk through things down the road as well.
And the last thing, well, I got to allow pain, allow pain in my life, is to give you ministry to others. Second Corinthians one four comforts us in all our troubles, so that we can comfort others when they are troubled. We will be able to give them the same comfort God has given us. I don't know what you've walked through, but I know that the things that I have walked through has built my faith for the future. It's built my faith for people walking through similar situations. Look, look, years ago, I went through, we went through a moment in our lives when we didn't know. In fact, one of, in particular, was when our son Josh was born. Didn't breathe. It's transferred hospitals. Neonatal intensive care. And yet we had no idea. We were young. We were scared. We had no idea what was going on. But as we watched God walk with us, through those moments, it helped us to see what God could do in our lives and for us, and what He could do for others. When we watch God provide in miraculous ways for us financially, it built our faith for ourselves, but it built our faith for others. It, it built our faith to be able to see people and look them in the eye who are going through difficulty. Go, look, I know things don't look good, but I remember a time when we were, well, we didn't have really many groceries. Somebody came to our house and stuck a bag of groceries on our porch. We don't know who they were. Look, this doesn't even fit the need level. But you often see me walking around, especially on Sundays, preaching with an iPad, but for some reason the battery's dead today, so I'm using it. But that iPad, there's a story about that iPad. You may not know the story of the iPad, but the story of the iPad is it, I came home from church one Sunday. There's a brown paper bag on my front porch. I picked it up and carried it in thinking somebody had left some vegetables. Just set it down. I really didn't pay attention. Just on the outside, it said four pastors. It was a brown grocery bag. 20 minutes later, probably. I opened that brown grocery bag up. And I was like, there's an iPad in there. In the box, brand new, keyboard, cover for the iPad. I was like, wow, that's never happened before. Don't know who did it. To this day, I still don't know who put it. My kids all said it was for them. But it clearly said for Pastor Steve on the outside. I mean, I, you know, I wasn't stealing the kids' gifts. Look, it builds your faith for the future. So, so whether they're good things or tough things, it doesn't matter what it is, God is building your faith for the future that you can help others and you can minister to others. Many of you in this room, you, you could... If you started right now and you started writing down 
the amazing things that God has done in your life, and you started writing today, you probably couldn't finish till next Sunday because God had been so good to you. And you need to tell that story. You need to tell that to people who are behind you in the faith. You, you need to be able to encourage them on. Look, you may, you may be sitting here thinking that I, you don't have anything left to give, but that's not true. You have all kinds of things. And you'll just sit down. I don't care what the age of the person is. They could be teenagers. You'll just slide up next to them someday. You just start to have this little conversation. You just greet them and love on them and, and give them a hug and say, it's so great to see you. You're going to have an opportunity to tell those stories to them. At some point down the road, you're going to have this opportunity to have this story to be told, and you're going to be able to help somebody through their pain. You're going to help somebody through their stuff. You're going to encourage them in their faith for the future. But that's what that's about. God still has all kinds of work for us to do. And sometimes we think that the pain we're going through, or the pain we've gone through, is wasted. And I got news for you. Nothing is wasted. Nothing you've gone through is wasted in your life. God is going to use it to redeem it and to use it for his glory. I, I don't care what it's, it could be some of the dumbest, most wicked things you've ever done in your life. He will redeem it for his glory. He will use it to help somebody. It's telling you. If you let him, he'll use every part of our lives to accomplish his plan and purpose. Because he's good. Because he's good. First Peter 3, 15 and 16. Instead, you must worship Christ as Lord. Your life. And if someone asks you about your hope as a believer, always be ready to explain it. But do this in a gentle and respectful way. Yeah. Acts 20. Verse 24. But my life is worth nothing to me unless I use it for finishing the work assigned me by the Lord Jesus. The work of telling others the good news about the wonderful grace of God. It's worth nothing to me unless I use it for finishing the work assigned me by the Lord Jesus. The work of telling others the good news. The good news is ultimately Jesus. But the good news is God's wonderful grace at work in your life. That God has done incredible things in pointing people to the Savior. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for this morning. Thank you, God, for these moments. And Lord, as we've taken these four weeks and we've kind of walked through what it what Celebrate Recovery is, but also how we can apply it personally in our lives, I pray, Lord, that we will recognize that no matter what it is, no matter what we've gone through, no matter what we've experienced, Lord, that we would recognize your power and your grace at work in our lives have an impact on others. Lord, I pray that we will take all that we've been through good and the bad, the painful and the joyful, 
lay it at your feet and say, Lord, use this for your glory and for your honor. Help us, Lord, not to go back into those things of the past. Lord, we start to see ourselves navigating towards things that are not so healthy. Lord, help us to navigate closer to you. Help us to draw near to you and to draw strength from your word and your, your presence that we would live our lives in ways that would bring you honor and glory. Lord, thank you that you are good. And you help us and you guide us. Lord, we bless you. We love you. We ask all these things in your name.